Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto-World Football Show. It is day four from Super Bowl Radio Row. Denny has yet to be expelled by Commissioner Roger Goodell. Uh, I'm Patrick Darty. I may have already said that. Uh, Denny, I feel like I can yeah. barely talk because our brains are fried. Yeah. Um, for, we have been so plugged in we to are the plugged. content machine. We are, we are plugged. Yes, the content machine is humming here humming. on Super Bowl Row. There's more content being produced per capita here than anywhere else on planet Earth right now. And the content machine is coming to its stunning conclusion on this show where <laughs> we have around the NFL's Greg Rosenthal yeah. and the athletic football show's Robert Mays, seriously two of the smartest guys in the entire business. Greg Rosenthal, a former Roto-Rolder, a former NBCer, uh, one of the best guys in, in the business. Robert Mays, one of the smartest guys in the business. But Danny, I mean, enough about the other people. Uh, <laughs> let's, get, let's get to us. Let's get back to you and I. <laughs> Uh, we've been doing a lot of cool stuff this week with Mr. Lawrence Jackson, yeah. and we've been really busy since our final show. We've been talking to T. Higgins, to Jamar Chase, to Brees Hall, to Quincy Williams. You may have already seen some of this on the internet, but if you don't believe us, uh, don't take our word for it. Here is a clip of what we have been up to down here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Quincy, what is it like to be an all-pro NFL linebacker, and yet you are not even the biggest Williams brother on your own professional football team? Oh, <laughs> uh, it feels good because um, number one, you get recognition from your uh, your peers. That's the biggest thing. And then, so when my when I got voted that, that was like real big for me, for real, because that's one of those things where I like practice, like you dream about it at night and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, all the hard work is just showing that like they seeing it. That's the main thing. So just being voted on by your peers and stuff like that, and the coaches, them like people that's going through it, they know what they talking about too, though. He said, by the way, what's wrong with the Pro Bowl voters, by the way? Because if you're an all-pro, you're an automatic Pro Bowler. See, the- <laughs> I don't know. I heard there's a lot of other stuff to do in there. All I do is just <laughs> perform and then wonder how other people, you know, how people view it, though. But that's, that's, that's what it's about, though. Like, I don't want to come out here and sell myself. I want to see what y'all think about my play, though. So, like, I want to see what y'all say about it, for real. Well, what we think about your play is that you're an all-pro. Thank you very much, Quincy. <laughs> now, Brees, uh, when I say the words fantasy football, when I say the words fantasy football, what's yeah. the first thing that comes to mind for an NFL offensive player? Um, Annoyance? I mean, uh. Yeah, very <laughs> annoying because just for me, just knowing that I'm usually a top pick in most people's fantasy. So, you know, when you don't have the game everybody wants to do, is oh, yeah. you're, you're seeing it, you're feeling it. So it's it's a lot. But um, it's cool to know that, you know, I have that much support coming from people as well. Well, that was the final question is, do you know how big of a deal you have become in fantasy football? You're, like, you're in the mix. This is not a joke for the number, number one, one pick. overall pick yeah. next year. Yeah, and I think it's uh, deservingly so. Um, 
But, you know, for me, I, it's just a testament to, you know, what I do and the product I put out on the field every week. We, we, love, we love catching the passes, by the way. Oh, yeah, Brace, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for all the fantasy points. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Fantasy nerds seem down on Derrick Henry over the past, like, two or three years. Every year we say this is the end, this is the end. I saw you posted on the X platform the other day mm -hmm. your list of top five running backs. Of course, you had you at the top. But you had Derrick Henry among the top five. Yeah. Tell me about that. Tell me why he got into that top five. Um, just because the type of player he is, like no matter what type of team, whatever team he on, he's on, what scheme he's on, people don't want to come tackle him. So he's going to be good, a good fantasy player because he's going to pick up those yards. He's going to have a lot of yards every week. But um, yeah, for me, my top five, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to put myself at the at the top just because I was able to do what I did with the situation we were in and everything. Absolutely. But um, <laughs> top five linebackers. Ooh. Top five Ooh. linebackers. Ooh. That's a tougher one. I'm going to put you and CJ at 1A and 1B. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I like that. That's good. That's good politics. Fred, Dre, Roquan. Okay. <laughs> I also saw you saw you had Bajon Robinson at number mm -hmm. two. That's my guy. Yeah, so uh, tell me about that because, I mean, he wasn't really used the way that I know fantasy managers wanted him used in Atlanta. Do you think that he'll be used? In a better, a better way uh, uh, in 2024. Yeah, for sure. Just because he's a he's a third down back, every down back that could right. do everything. He catches the ball, he can run the ball, um, he can block, and um, he's just a he's just a playmaker. That's why I like to call guys that can do line up anywhere and do anything. He's a playmaker. That's how I view myself. And um, you know, I'm excited to see what he does. All right, thanks, Brees. No problem. We are here with Jamar Chase and T Higgins. We're going to start with Jamar. Jamar, as fantasy nerds, we want you getting double-digit targets every single week. There were there were seven weeks last year where you right had under gate, eight huh? somehow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to get this rectified. For 20 <laughs> we figured you'd be a fellow traveler here and that you would also desperately want the double-digit targets. We're getting this rectified for next season. I mean, yeah, I, I would want it, too. T going to want it, too. So, so got to get, get both in there, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Can't leave my wingman out. Yeah, well, you guys send this interview to Joe Burrow, and uh, it's like they're begging for the targets for you guys. And also, uh, you're easily one of the best wide receivers on planet Earth. Are you the best former LSU receiver in the NFL? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah I yeah. think so. I had 20 touchdowns in a season. That's crazy to see. You're, you're, you're tied for the third most touchdowns in the league since you came in, by the way, amongst receivers. I just looked it up oh, this morning. So That's lit. Uh, that is very lit. I don't lit. keep up with stuff like that. And I, and I know. That's, that's lit, though. That's what great ones do. Uh, yesterday we talked to Brees Hall, and uh, he kind of lit up when the prospect of you joining him in New York came up. We, we listed a bunch of uh, free agent wide receivers this offseason, and uh, he pointed out to you, would you love – would you like to join – uh, Brees in New York this year. <laughs> I ain't gonna say it. I ain't gonna say I would like to, or if I wouldn't like to. Um, you know, it's where I'm at right now. You know, I have no control over yeah. my situation right now, as of now. But you know, um, I'm a Bengal right now, so I sure. gotta, I gotta stay one. All you right. Know what I'm saying? And uh, just about the Super Bowl, uh, you know, you have experience playing these teams through the years. Do you see this as more of a defensive matchup, more of a grinding kind of matchup, or do you think it'll be kind of a back-and-forth, high-scoring game? I definitely think whoever, you know, whichever defense is going to, you know, get the most stops obviously that's how games work, but right. uh, whichever defense plays the best is, I think, is going to come out. That makes sense. Thanks, T. Denny, uh, one stunning clip after another. Yeah. I will say, really? Quincy Williams, uh, he, I think he was afraid, you know, when I asked him why he wasn't the biggest Williams on the jet. Yeah. So he kind of 
pivoted like a politician. Like he, he was he afraid to confront Quinn and Williams's largeness. Well, he said he's a good. I like it like that. That's, yeah. a, that, that, that's what he said. By the way, that that was hardcore journalism. It was, right, it was, if I ever saw it, it absolutely was. Oh, uh, you know, I I, I love to, to stupefy Jamar Chase. <laughs> my first question when when we were when we were formulating questions and folks. You know, we did not take that lightly. Like, we, we really put a lot of time and effort into coming up with those questions. And we have heard Jamar Chase unhappy sometimes when he doesn't see the ball. As any receiver, you know, the enemy speaks kindly, holds a knife, that sort of, that sort of thing. And so we thought, oh, well, we're going to ask him, do you want more targets? And honestly, when Pat asked that, I'm like, okay, here we go. And he was kind of like, uh, I don't know. He I mean, fantasy and bioed me. Yeah, he, he was like, he was like oh, we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're getting into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, was like, th- it, this is all there is, Jamar. I don't said, know, man. Let me guess, fantasy and bio. I mean, uh, he, he, Jamar Chase sounds like fantasy and bio sometimes, the I way know. he talks about targets. <laughs> I know. Uh, by the way, you wanted, you were trying to get into the scoop game with T. Higgins, and he, he was having <laughs> none of that. Absolutely. I, that. I did. I was going with full Denny Schefter. Yeah, and Brees Hall, though, he was like, yes, yeah, give me all the touches, please. I, yes. I will take them, kind sir. That's right. And uh, he, he played ball. Jamar Chase, he's already, the enemy is speaking kindly and holding a knife there. He's <laughs> yeah. was a good sign, to be honest, for the double-digit targets for next season. We're hoping. Uh, he's all in. Uh, we are all in on welcoming in around the NFL's Greg Rosenthal right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. We are now back on Super Bowl Radio Row with Mr. Greg Rosenthal from around the NFL. It actually is NFL Network, but as Greg pointed out, we only care about podcasts. So we just introduced him as around the NFL's uh, Greg Rosenthal. You're an industry veteran at mm. this point. Amongst, you're a Roto World veteran. Uh, do, you, do you hide that, by the way? Do no, you? I'm very proud of that. Very I like feeling like the fact that the, my first Super Bowl was Patriots-Giants the first time around. So I like that. I like feeling old. It means I'm smarter. It's funny you mentioned your first Super Bowl because I feel like I've known you a terrifyingly long time at this point. And one thing I've always thought about you is you have extremely good lifestyle opinions, like iconoclastic opinions on these kind of like like uh, softball questions. But because you're a Super Bowl veteran, okay. I wanted to know how you rate Vegas's first Super Bowl compared yeah. to some of the other host cities. Oh. Well, not high, but that's <laughs> only because I think of myself. Like, it's just a, a city that it's very hard to get a water. Yeah, or yes, you can't, yes, like... Yes. I just I, want a chicken sandwich. Yeah, coffee in your... Like, they won't give you the coffee maker in your room, no, which no, no, no. you oh. could be... You could be at the worst motel in the middle of yeah. Wisconsin. What state do I want to throw under the bus <laughs> yeah, yeah, here? Yeah, and you'll, you'll have that. So, the, like, <laughs> stuff like that. I just want it to be easy. 
unless it's like incredibly fun. But you know, I work for the NFL. I'm not allowed to even hit any no, no. of the casinos or anything really? like that. So I'm looking for it. New Orleans is the number one Super Bowl location. That's next year. Vegas yeah. would be pretty low on my my rankings. It is so weird far. how you cannot get a, a water. No one has had a water in this entire <laughs> no, place in no. five days. I'm afraid no. for their health. So they're trying to preserve the Colorado River there. I think uh. is what's going on there. But yeah, I just want to go get a coffee without getting hit with like five strobe lights, you know, and we're like, <laughs> right. dude, it's 7.30. Like, it's also just like there's know, like, so many people everywhere oh, and man. we're on, we're on third, we're taping this on Thursday. And so that just, I'm a little anxious what about the weekend. Every like blogger or podcaster type I've talked to this week is like, so everyone in this town is like loving it right now, but every like okay. blogger or podcaster is like, yeah, I'm not a Vegas guy. We even talked to one guy who's a Vegas guy this week, including Denny or I. I feel like it, it takes, a, it takes re- someone to say I'm a Vegas guy. I don't. Want, I don't know anyone who would say that. Well, it does feel silly for us to come here and like, you know, rank them and complain about, you know. Well, let's be real. It's better in Arizona, right? Uh, but we're. Uh, yeah, I would take it over to Arizona. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Same. We just had to bus Glendale, uh, Phoenix, Scottsdale. What? Can they? But you've been here since like Sunday. I only got here yesterday. So. Oh man. Yeah. Well, we ran the place on Monday and Tuesday. There's nobody here, and then, and then the celebrities had to storm in and then uh, mess yeah. up our whole thing. Yeah, Denny, we haven't we haven't seen the outside world for oh like my the first gosh. 72 yeah. hours. We were I have here. been in. It's the Hotel California for me. And I was I'm also here. told, you know, that it didn't rain in Las Vegas, and yet, and yet. Uh, it rained for 72 straight hours. And uh, another extremely. I just feel like you'll have a good opinion on this. Okay. Uh, I, I think I probably know your answer. Is it better to watch the game at home or at the stadium? You've done a lot of both at this point. No, I would say at the stadium. Ooh. So I, I don't think that's what you were expecting. No, it was not. I was I, expecting the... Like the most cynical or privileged thing I would say. Like my perfect Super Bowl experience would be flying in Saturday and then just going to the game. I think you kind of can't beat being at the game. It is very exciting and I don't go to that many like live games I go to some across the street uh, from where we work the Rams and the Chargers but that's about it here and there like so to me it's very exciting to be there and to see people being so excited but that like it's very strange flex to go to like one game a year but it's the Super Bowl that's sort (laughs) of where I'm at because I'm not a real reporter Greg are you a hedge fund manager (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was expecting the more cynical or iconoclastic answer of course it's better at home uh, so it's good that someone likes to watch. Uh, there's one reporter who has not lost their joy for attending the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the buzz in that place. Yes. Like, people must be just psyched out of their minds. Yes, and like the number one perk of working at the NFL, which is crazy still to me, no matter what, if you're a full-time employee and you are working at the game, you get two tickets to go to the game wow. to give to your family or friends, which is yeah, it's too late for you this year, Bob. But my Come son, on. my son is going to his very first Super Bowl. My daughter, who's a monster Rams fan, sorry, you know, Pat. Yeah, betrayal, uh, betrayal. I got fine. to bring her to the see the Rams winning. So that sort of thing, like seeing oh, nice. whoever you brings joy and all that stuff, it's pretty cool. So yeah, for those who are listening, I made the puss and boots look at Greg Rosenthal with my eyes for the Super yeah, Bowl tickets. Right. And I get the all right, enough enough softballs. Denny wants to ask you some actual football questions. Please. Beginning uh, with the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Campbell. Yeah, so we talked about it last week, at, along with all other NFL media, uh, about Dan Campbell's aggressive fourth-down decision-making in the NFC Championship game. Uh, I wrote a piece for NBC Sports, kind of you know defending him because uh, I'm an analytics nerd and I like to see a guy do what he did. I was wondering what your take on it was, but also uh, from you know from a zoomed-out viewpoint, 
what does that do? What does that NFC title loss for Detroit do for you know the what what, what might be called mm. the analytics movement in football? He's wondering if it's a setback for is analytics. It, is it a setback? I don't think it is because I think it's it keeps just going forward. Like every week I'm watching a game where they go for fourth down in their own territory yeah, yeah. that's not a big deal and I just think of like what a big deal it would have been two years ago and how I worked at NBCSports.com to like bring it all full circle that's who I was covering that first Super Bowl for was NBCSports.com and I think back to the Belichick time that he went for fourth down uh, against the Colts when they had the lead and it was oh, yeah. Brady versus Manning yes. we that was a week's worth of national that led the NBC coverage. Nightly News. So yeah. I think I think Dan Campbell is helping to normalize it, and it didn't work. But I think everyone intellectually understands that's uh, partly why they got there, and he's not going to back down from doing it. And, and also, like on the list of reasons they didn't win the game, it's not in the top two or three. They just like didn't make the like plays. It's kind of like. I'm trying to figure out why did the Chiefs make this game? It's like, oh, because Travis Kelsey is just catching wild contested catches and they're completing passes down the field. They right. played better. They're That's making, like the number one plays, reason. Yeah. They made the plays. Yeah, My, right. Josh Reynolds the, uh, drops right. the ball on fourth down. Uh, uh, Jameer Gibbs fumbles the ball in the second half. Right. Those, are, those are the things that crushed Detroit. Right, and we're, not, we're, not, we're never going backwards. Sean McVay, who's right. conservative, yes. won a Super Bowl go. going for fourth down yeah, yeah, yeah. in his own end. Well, and the, and the, I feel like that one kind of gets overlooked in like an analytics it always, history. It always gets overlooked. Yeah. No, if it works, it's like, oh, man, hey, yeah. that, that, guy, that, that guy's brave. Well, but but then they that's over. The discussion's yeah. over. That's what I keep asking if people is my follow-up to this analytics. Was it even – I don't even think it was analytics. I thought it was like a gut decision he was making, to be honest. That's how he described and like, it. And that's yeah. kind of just like how like analytics is now being applied to like literally any fourth down decision, which is kind of weird. And like it's being branded. Right. The way the announcers other than Greg Olson talk about <laughs> it is like analytics say as if like there's these guys that are like – but they, know, sneer. Like, they sneer. Like an IBM computer right. in Joe the Buck, sky. And I, I love Joe Buck and Aikman, so I'm a I little disappointed. But they're like, analytics say, as if it's just like this room of analytics yes, that's yes. just like pressing a button. And it's like, no, it's just giving probabilities. And Dan Campbell didn't go for it at the end of the first half. I think that was his gut, too, because I think he just felt like in that spot, he wanted to just keep the positivity going. And the spot he was in the second half was like, oh, our defense has stopped getting stops. That's it's, exactly you know, right. And we're not yes. going to get any more stops. He knew that they couldn't uh, stop the Niners' offense, so they needed it to score. Also, like I told Pat last week, Dan Campbell didn't uh, uh, open his press conference after the game by holding up a spreadsheet and saying, see, guys, <laughs> right. they told me to go. He didn't, he didn't say anything even remotely close to that. He was like, I felt like we needed to go. It so is, it, it's kind of huge, it though, for, for people who are a fan of analytics, you know, who are yeah. supporting his decisions that Dan Campbell is our leader. Oh, yeah. I know. Like, I love it. I do love <laughs> Listen, it. A big, strong the guy. Most no offense to Brandon guy. Staley. No offense to Brandon Staley, but we needed right, the big, burly right. guy. But oh, also a huge name. offense to Brandon Staley. Yeah, 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 yeah true, true. We, yeah. we didn't really want him as a uh, as a captain. <laughs> Greg, you mentioned conservative coaching. Denny wants to ask you about the coaching in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so, I mean, just, just on this analytics I'm sorry. Analytics chat. I like it when Pat sets you up telling you what you want. Well, to yeah, it's a little hard and hard. like we're we're not used to. We're it's not very like, cute. We're yeah. not like a hero it's like, a like, we, like around the NFL <laughs> thing. We're not, we're not the heroes. We don't have like years and years of no. Like, that's we're blinded by the light. They're too bright. They're too bright. Uh, sorry. Uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, Denny, I want to ask you a question. All right. So both of these head coaches, Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid, are on the very conservative end, actually, of fourth down decision making. Uh, the Athletic did a piece uh, just just the other day. Kyle Shanahan, over the past two seasons, is 23rd, uh, the 23rd most aggressive coach on fourth down. Andy Reid is 27th in that category. Um, the the thing is, though, 
no one has been more uh, more conservative on fourth downs than Kyle Shanahan in the postseason. Mm. So what does that say to you about how this game might unfold? That it could be a, more of a defensive game and more of a running game in general, which like keeps the, the score down. It's so crazy with these two and Shanahan in particular because he's so cutting edge in yeah. so many other ways and he's so pass heavy when he needs to be. I, I love the evolution of Andy Reid going from a guy who, to me, ch- like changed the NFL in terms of how he coached offense. Like he really did in Philadelphia. Right. And Kyle Shanahan is very much that guy for this generation, like 15 years later, changed the league in terms of how he calls offense. And yet they're both, there's some like hardcore mm-hmm. football yes, part yes. of them that in terms of how they grew up that just like can't get past that. They can't which ever quite dri- leave it behind. me a little yeah. crazy. Well, he, uh, in, in the 2019 Super Bowl, uh, 54, I guess, uh, when these two teams played, Shanahan had two chances to go for it uh, near the red zone on fourth down and went on for a field goal on both. Mm. So, you know, maybe that, the Jake Moody factor makes him not say, do that. I, I'm surprised they didn't sign a veteran kicker for this game. To be I honest. am too. Jake Moody makes me very nervous if but I'm a Niners fan. When you draft a kicker, though, they keep you on the roster for like three years. Like a 68.7%. Oh, yeah, I mean, unless he, he, he just completely melts down, he's going to be on the roster for a long time. That, that was right. another thing. Dan Campbell has been like radicalized against kickers. Like yes. every he pulls up his fourth mm. down sheet and he sees the words <laughs> Riley Patterson. He's not even on the team anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going for it. He's like, you know, you know, we cut Riley. Michael Badgley? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah I mean, the, the Browns literally won a game. Because their kicker got hurt. I, Isn't that amazing? <laughs> also, the Texans. The Texans lost their kicker, and it was right, that game that where, where, game, where yeah. C.J. Stroud went crazy. That was uh, against, the game where C.J. Stroud went totally, yeah, and totally Because nuts. they couldn't go for field goals. This is the key. Don't roster a kicker. Yeah, it's it, it more fun, too, that that game where the Browns won it, there was a fourth and eight where they never would have gone for it, mm-hmm. where Joe Flacco was like in a bear hug from the yes. defender, falling <laughs> yes, over, yes, yes. and threw wow, like... Yeah a sideline route to Amari Cooper was open. It was maybe the single greatest play anyone made all season. And it would have just been like a chip shot field goal. So we would have missed out on that. So we can't let you leave without, we have to get your opinion on the game, of course. I thought you were going to like talk Roto World history. We'd love to do that. We would love to, but maybe we will in just a second. But (laughs) Diddy and I, so I've been like a Chiefs guy the entire time. I was like, that's Mahomes. Like, I don't even bother. This is a game where I don't even do analysis. It's, it's great It's great to have a conversation with a guy who just goes, Mahomes, Mahomes, yeah. Mahomes, Mahomes. There's no point in even doing analysis of this. I'm a Mahomes guy. But then we've been having, we've been hanging out like betters all week, particularly Drew Dinsick. He's gotten all in my head. Well, like he, he thinks the 49ers are still like an amazing bet betting opportunity, that they're by far the better team. Basically, is it a numbers super? Because the 49ers, they're the EPA slight favorites. They're the numbers overall favorite for sure. The Chiefs are, of course, the narrative favorites. Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the NFL. What is taking the day in this game, numbers or narratives? Well, it worries me when the guy who dropped off room service last night at the hotel, he was like, oh, you're in town for the game. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, who do you like? Blah, blah, blah. I said, and he's like, well, the public's really on the Chiefs, but all the big money, you know, I've been talking to people here, all the big money is like, wow, the room service guy has like hot takes. And yet, like, I'm on the Chiefs. And I'm, and I'm on the Chiefs not just because it's Mahomes, but because th- doesn't the last four weeks matter more? Shouldn't that be weighted more that the last three big games the 49ers have played, their defense has been tangibly and like, objectively bad. bad. Like, almost the Ravens against apart. the Pack. And like, so that seems like the biggest weakness to me. And they're, they're in that 
is enough for me. And, and also the opponent, like they felt very ready to be picked off and their opponents were lesser than the Chiefs. So I put a, I put a little bit into that. And so I lean Chiefs, not by a ton. The Chiefs road I there has been so I keep telling people that the Chiefs are like their Golden State Warriors mode at this point. But, you know, back to the final KD days, like the regular season, like who cares? Like we'll work on the rotation until like the final week or two of the regular season. Then the real season begins. Like the Chiefs did literally say they had like a seven receiver rotation. Yeah. And they were spreading we're the ball like around. We're like the 2011 Patriots who didn't win. But that defense was terrible. The, the 2018 Patriots who were, were very like, like sometimes they do just play better in the playoffs. The Chiefs kingdom, we must fight back. And Greg Rosenthal on the vanguard of Chiefs kingdom, apparently. I don't know. Yeah, any. Roto World members, you want to share there? <laughs> no, no, I don't know why no, yeah. I, I threw that out. But I'm glad. Look, we we didn't have any uh, Super Bowl set. Yeah, back in the day, I, no, I was the no. only the only football writer uh, to start out with, and would do every game on Sunday for like for one year. I think it was. I think That's this is literally would probably not have been possible without you. You, for better or worse, you cut a direct line to Denny Carter and Patrick Darty at the Super Bowl. <laughs> I love it. Um, I wanted to set that groundwork for them to overwork and underpay you as much <laughs> as possible. Hey, and we appreciate that. You know? <laughs> listen, times are changing. NBC is a very good place to work. Uh, and Greg Rosenthal is an extremely good friend to have. Greg, thank you so much for coming by. We will be back after this with the Athletic Football Show's Robert Mays. Greg, thank you so much. Say hello to the heroes. Will do. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It is now our distinct pleasure to welcome in the Athletic Football Show's Robert Mays. I just realized we stole our naming convention directly from the Athletic <laughs> Football Show. Uh, this is the Rotoro Football Show. Right, so he's of the Athletic. Um, he's of Chicago, Illinois. He's of the University of Missouri. Uh, Robert, or was Mizzou football back still for us? We, we, we seem very back some days. Then other days we're getting our defensive coordinator stolen yeah, um, by LSU. Yeah, that Especially was a real tough after moment. him tweeting out the Leonardo DiCaprio meme like three weeks earlier about how he was going to be <laughs> back. Know. Tough one. I know. That <laughs> was a real, real tough one. Wow. Another tough one, by the way, you have to explain why you were in a hot dog costume today on radio. You're a very calm, composed guy. You wouldn't be the person I would expect to show up to Radio Row in a hot dog. That's costume. why we thought it was a fitting punishment. Because I want to be taken moderately seriously, I think that being having to do that was a big thing. So we, me and Nate, who's my partner on the Athletic Football Show, Great we each picked five teams before the season. Mm -hmm. Whoever had fewer wins at the end of the year had to wear a hot dog costume to Radio Row and record our big Super Bowl preview in the hot dog costume. Uh, <laughs> I lost by a lot, so I was the one that had to actually do it. Who were your five teams? 
the Bengals. Okay. Tough beat. The Chargers. Mm. You should have known better. That is the one where the the punishment fits the crime. Like that's as a lifelong or as a constant Chargers believer. Believer, I died how I lived. Chargers. It was very fitting. Died doing what he. I had the Jags. Okay. Okay. That's tough. That's tough. The Bills and the Eagles. Can you think oh, of five man. more frustrating teams to have to tie you yourself to over a season? You it was so awful. Cool. It was awful. When That's the tough. Eagles were 10 and 1, here is There's the suit. The suit. Oh. Look at that. He's looking for the guy who did this. That's He's right. He's looking for the guy who picked the charge. Braden Staley was the guy who did this. That, that's, that's who did that to me. Brandon Staley, but you had, the Eagles were 10 and 1. You're like, the Eagles are going to keep me in this. And then they win one more game. And the Jags. Yeah, the Jags the, were rolling. If like they could be the number one seed in yes. the AFC. The yes. Jake Browning thing, I was like, all right, maybe, maybe I can stay afloat for a little bit longer, but just yeah. too much happened out of the back half. You so. really ran cold down the street. Yeah, yeah eight and three and ten and one, the hot dog costume. So we're gonna pick your brain on the Super Bowl. Denny did notice something pretty interesting, non-Super Bowl, that he wanted to ask you about before we get into the big game talk. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I, I saw you posting about uh, the Titans going with Brian Callahan mm-hmm. as uh, as their head coach, and also bringing in his father, Bill, to. I guess, uh, coach the offensive line. You seem to be kind of bullish on that. Tell us why. I just am, I think that Brian Callahan is a really interesting candidate. I thought he was an interesting candidate for the last couple of years. He interviewed very well in Denver two years ago. It was his only head coaching interview, based on people I had talked to about it. And then he interviewed in Indy last year, and I had heard very good things about how he presented there. And I just think that if you look at the traits that successful head coaches have, he's there's a humility to him. He's very open-minded. He communicates really well, specifically to players. What that Bengals offense has looked like over the last three or four years, they've really undergone a lot of interesting shifts. You know, they had this shotgun run game they leaned into in 2022 that was kind of a pivot from what they had done. If you look at what they were doing early on when Burrow got healthy, it was a lot more under center stuff, the motions that they were using. He's just had to figure stuff out over the last couple of years. And I think the problem solving element to it, how many different offenses he's been in, he's the Peyton Manning offense he's very fluent in, what the Bengals were. So just his demeanor and the kind of the collection of his background and experience, he's just an interesting candidate to me. Would you expect him to bring in and, and the Titans as a team to bring in competition for Will Levis, or do you think that he he would commit to him as a as a, at least a short term? Did anyone you to say they're going to bring in Jake Browning? It's a great question. I, I don't know the That's answer to that. Great. I don't because this is a front office that obviously picked Will Levis, but I think part of that was you know they were trying to do two different things at the same time. That front office they were trying to compete and rebuild at the yeah, same time. Yeah, yeah. So was Will Levis the actual plan? Was Will Levis's was he that ran Carthon's kind of? Hey, you know what? We're going to do a little bit that's mm-hmm. a slow play. I don't know. I have no idea what their view of him is right now. Titans front office is strange. I was just thinking while you were talking about Mike Vrabel essentially seemed like he forced a power struggle and won it uh, with the previous GM, but then this time there was a power struggle and Mike Vrabel lost. And I think they're kind of having doing things backwards except for like the higher like it's like the platonic ideal of the kind of hire you want to make as a coach right now. Just all the right coaching trees, uh, the right approach. They didn't let the Joe Burrow injury even sideline them in Cincinnati. They made things work with Jake Browning, and it was not it was the least sexy hire probably the entire cycle. Uh, but I, he's got big Matt Lafleur energy basically. Yeah, I think that a lot of teams are wanting that collaborative approach where you have somebody that's willing to come in and work with people and just be. You know what? 
a welcoming voice within the building, somebody that has open arms, and it's going to be easy to work with. And that's what Brian Callahan is going to be. You know, Mike Vrabel cuts a big figure. Brian Callahan isn't necessarily that sort of personality. Too, too big a figure, apparently. Yeah, I mean, he can't even get hired. He's Diana said that on my show to me, and that I think was that, on that, your was, show? that was misconstrued in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes, uh, okay. she thought okay. it was ridiculous uh, that someone had said that. We may have taken and run with that. That's okay. Uh, that's, I, I wow, totally understand uh, how it got legs. Wow, that, that really did get legs. That's, yeah, that, that hey, but you know, how could that not get legs? You know, it's a funny concept. By it, the way, Brian Callahan, it might not hurt that his dad is the greatest offensive line coach of the 21st century, and that was maybe a nice fringe benefit to hiring him. Also, check out the folk singer Bill Callahan if you're unfamiliar. <laughs> I think Robert knows what I'm talking about. I don't think Denny does. I have no idea. Because I've Googled Bill Callahan before. It's <laughs> yeah, one of the first things that comes out. up. Yes. He's one of the greatest out there. But Robert, with the Super Bowl now, we'll start you off with the question we ended with, with Greg. I was going to ask you the same thing I've been asking everyone all week, where the, cle- the way of the canned way I've been asking this, is this a numbers or a narratives Super Bowl? Where the numbers all say the 49ers are the better team, the narratives and the eye test, you know, say it's Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs were so impressive in their their playoff run. It, boy, did they really quash that. Well, Patrick Mahomes never even had to play a road playoff game, <laughs> and he easily wins two road <laughs> playoff games against two of the best teams in football. And just, I mean, we know it's both numbers and narratives, but just where are you coming down on, like, the 49ers on paper, clearly the better team, uh, but then... It's the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. What side of this are you on? I honestly think that if you look at the numbers and some of the more analytical sides of it, the Chiefs still have some advantages. Like, I was really digging into the game and the things that Chiefs want to do defensively, the zone blitzes, kind of these nebulous fronts where you're not sure if it's even front, you're not sure if it's an odd front, you know, just creative pressure packages. A lot of the things they want to do are things that the Lions did in the NFC Championship game. The Lions just don't have as good of a defense or as good of players. So I think there are a lot of elements to this matchup specifically that are actually in the Chiefs' favor. So I don't think it's some Patrick Mahomes and the aura that comes with that and even this four-week run. I think that a lot of things the Chiefs did well all year line up very well with the Niners' weaknesses. I was looking in uh, to how they perform, how the Chiefs' defense performs on third down. Uh, they're top two in uh, EPA given up uh, on third downs. Really good. The thing is that, you know, the counter is that the 49ers are the best team in the league on third down. So every time I every time I found a, a spot where the KC defense really shined, it seemed like, at least according to the spreadsheets, that the Niners should have an answer. But they have been kind of spotty this offseason, so it makes you obviously wonder if that if that's going to come through in this game. The teams that the Niners have struggled against are teams that are going to run a ton of different coverages, yeah. where there's not going to be a lot of predictability because you're just in single high and you're loading the box all the time. The Chiefs are one of those teams. The Chiefs run less cover three than any other team in the NFL this year. You really don't know what you're going to get. I don't know if get. I knew that. And the other side of it is, even when they blitz, the Chiefs, one of the stats I threw out on our show just now, the Chiefs played split safety coverages, so six, two, or four, 50% of the time while bringing five pass rushers mm-hmm. this year. The NFL average is 16. Really? So the soundness and the complexity of the coverages that they play don't preclude them from bringing pressure. So it's just a different sort of challenge than really any other pressure-based team you're going to play against because it doesn't make it easier on you because they're playing man or cover three like everyone else is. We were going to get into this question in a minute here, but I I thought I'd just tack it on here since it it, it fits well with what we're talking about. Uh, You know, talking about how the KC defense operates, uh, how do you think Brock Purdy can best attack this defense, if at all? I mean, are there there any spots in the defense – where he can have some success or, or, or deep parts of the defense that he wants to avoid in this game. Yeah, you're talking about the strengths and weaknesses all year. This has been a chief strength all year. And right. It seems like 
maybe the most single most important matchup of the game. I think that it's about getting out, getting the ball out quickly and getting the ball to guys in space. I would be shocked if Debo Samuel didn't have at least eight targets in really? this game. I, I think that he's going to be a centerpiece of what they want to do offensively. If you look at other teams that are heavy zone teams that play a lot of two high coverages, the Packers are one of those teams. Debo gets hurt, hurt so early in that game, I think it really did throw a wrench in their plans because he was going to be central to their approach. So I think making sure you're creating space and getting the ball in Debo's hands and CMC's hands in space is one of them. The other things, that, just in the passing game and how they're going to attack them, the Niners run all these condensed, condensed formations. It is one of the hallmarks of their offense. But if you do that, you leave yourself susceptible to slot pressures, to a lot of different sorts of blitzes. If you look at what San Francisco did against Baltimore, they actually spread things out a little bit more in order to not let those disguises get play to the defense's advantage. So if you can do that and create some space in the middle of the field and get those linebackers on islands, right. I think that's another area where you can actually make some hay. I love the call for Debo as an X factor, which I know we're not breaking news. Like Debo Samuel was going to be important <laughs> in the game, but the He's way good. the Chiefs man coverage and like they're going to have to find the cushion. There's just not going to be much space over the middle. Debo has to find that and how they're going to be relying on the running game. That's what everyone's telling me down here is that basically they're acting like the Chiefs have like a high school run defense, which we know is not true. <laughs> it was middle of the pack. I wondered you know, how much of that was just by design too, that they didn't care if teams run on them. But so, I, we've been getting Denny and I a lot of push like uh, that the Chiefs run defenses can't hang. Like the 49ers might run for 200 yards. And I'm just wondering what do you think about that specific matchup of Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers running game uh, against the Chiefs run defense? Because we focus a lot on the Chiefs pass defense because it's so good. What do you think about the run defense in that potential match? I actually think that the way the Niners want to run the ball aligns pretty well with the Chiefs stopping that approach. Because if you look at the Baltimore game again, the Baltimore played a ton of cloud coverages, cover two, cover six, where that corner is in the flat. That's actually a good way to handle this Niners rushing offense because they want to get the ball on the perimeter. So the way the Chiefs want to be structured on defense, I actually think gives them a shot. If you look at a team like Buffalo that ran the ball extremely well against the Chiefs in the playoffs, they're a gap downhill running team. They want to run the ball between the tackles, even if they have James Cook. That's not necessarily the way the Niners want to run the ball. So I think in a lot of people's minds, it's, oh, we've seen them get ground down recently. The Niners have the best rushing offense in the league, arguably. Wouldn't that happen again? And I think the structure of the Niners running game isn't similar enough to some of those other teams that have had success to just say automatically they're going to just run all over them the entire game. That's interesting. I, I hadn't thought about, about that. I, I have seen that, uh, you know, the, the, the way the Chiefs usually run the ball with Pacheco is is not great against a uh, 49ers front that is good at defending interior runs mm -hmm. and that, that's typically how kansas city runs the ball uh so maybe maybe both teams will look at those matchups and kind of switch up what they do but i guess if the niners stick with what they've been doing it's not they're not necessarily attacking like the weakest part of the kansas city defense. i would expect more downhill runs okay. from the niners okay. and i think one of the matchups that i think would be interesting to watch is Charles Mann, who's not playing in this game, so there's less length on the perimeter for the Chiefs. Right. So do they use more five-man fronts to kind of combat some of those perimeter runs if Mike Dana's going to be in there for a minute? You know, Robert, with the 49ers, kind of a lot of, they have so many superstar skill players. You have a lot of people to choose from when, like, oh, so-and-so is going to be the X factor in this game. The Chiefs, you know, it's Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, and Isaiah Pacheco. Do you see any other Chiefs skill player is maybe like a potential X factor for this game, or is it really is just a simple, the Chiefs studs are gonna have to deliver? I think it's just the Chiefs studs, and I think it's because the way that the Niners play dictates you using those three guys specifically. If you look at the numbers, 
Rasheed Rice was 11th in the NFL this year among wide receivers in targets per route run against zone coverage. Okay. So the guys ahead of him on that list are all the guys you would expect. The two guys directly ahead of him on, in that ranking are Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb. Oh so when teams played zone coverage against the Chiefs, he got borderline elite wide receiver usage. Mm. And that's what the Niners do. It's a lot of soft zone coverage. So I expect them to do a lot of the same stuff they did early against Baltimore. But just get the ball quickly. Let's get the ball in these guys' hands. Bubbles, flats. Let them do some stuff in space and against a zone-heavy team. So that's what I expect, and Travis Kelsey works the exact same way. Yeah, I was going to ask you if, if that you know also means that Kelsey should have a good matchup here as far as, you know, target opportunity, as far as uh, getting open in the middle of the field. I definitely think so. Yeah. And I think the biggest one of the biggest questions I have about that side of the ball specifically is the Chiefs have used all these, all these big personnel mm-hmm. groupings in the playoffs. A lot of two tight ends, a lot of three tight ends. The Niners match two and three tight end sets at a higher rate with base defense than any other team in the NFL. So if Oren Burks is going to be on the field for 30, 40 snaps in this game, I guarantee you the Chiefs understand that, and that's something they'll want to pick out with Kelsey specifically. Sure. So, uh, who's going to win, Robert? <laughs> I, was gonna, I was thinking of a more Just tell us, question. please. Yeah. I, love, I love this Niners team. I love this Niners offense. I think they've been a juggernaut for huge stretches of the season. I think you have one of the best offensive coaches I've ever seen kind of at his apex with the, the best group of talent that he's ever had. But I think that the way this Chiefs team stacks up with the Niners I think they have too many advantages. I think a lot of the strengths of the Niners are offset by the strengths of the Chiefs. The teams that have given San Francisco problems, the Chiefs don't have to be out of character to use those game plans. They, it aligns with who they want to be and what their personnel is on so many different levels, in my opinion. It does seem like what, what you've said today is basically the 49ers are going to have to change what they do way more than the Chiefs will have to change what they I, do. That's exactly right. Okay. That's, along, that's how I frame it. Along those lines, I remember I was trying to remember a question I want to ask you, and then it was, it was day four Radio Row. I was like, eh, my brain <laughs> no longer works. But uh, does it have to be – so the way the Chiefs got here, grinding it out with the Bills and the Ravens, does it have to be a low-scoring game for the Chiefs to win, which seems insane when it's Patrick Mahomes? Or could it, if this gets into the 20s, the 30s, could that still be a Chiefs victory? Or is that too much on the 49ers' terms? I, I don't think it is. I think they absolutely can win a high-scoring game. The only reason it wasn't a high-scoring game against Buffalo is because they didn't have the ball that much. The Bills hung on to it for such long That's... periods of time. If you look at a per-play efficiency in that game, the Chiefs were phenomenal. And the, Buff- the Ravens' defense is an unbelievable unit. What the Ravens did in the second half to Kansas City, I don't think the Niners' defense is capable of doing that. So if the Chiefs won 31-27 to 27 or some a game in that sort of range, that would not surprise me. I mean, the Niners' defense has looked leaky enough, you know, over the past three games for that to happen. I tweeted at one point that their defense was like high-key falling apart, but that was maybe well, kind of too well, aggressive. I mean, the, the, the Lions were running roughshod yeah. over them. For, for three for two and a half quarters and well, it was the same stuff that we had seen the Packers do a week earlier and that's what was troubling about it you oh think, man yeah wouldn't you have an answer to this yeah. after the way the last right. week went and You're right they have yeah. not developed those and I think that some of those same weaknesses that have shown up are weaknesses that can show up again based on how the Chiefs want to play I was surprised that they had not made the necessary adjustments in the NFC title game after you know getting the scare from the Packers yeah well, we've been talking to amazing analysts all week uh, Drew Dinsick Kevin Clark Greg Rosenthal, so many players. We gave, we gave Robert Mace the final word on the game. I knew we would just get an amazing – you were downplaying your ball-knower credentials. 
Oh, oh, he, very, he knows, very bald. He knows it. Yeah, now yeah. I'm sad I didn't wear the hot dog suit. Because <laughs> if I was the last guest, I probably should have. You guys could have gone out with the bang. We would have loved it. But uh, we had the picture, and that's good enough. The, the, the last guest of the week. Rob, follow Robert Mays on Twitter slash X. Uh, rate, not rate, subscribe to the Athletic Football Show. He's truly one of the best in the business. Robert, we respect you so much. Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it, guys. Always good to chat with you. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Issa as host Issa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.